And we're going to turn to Amos, the book of Amos. You can start in Matthew and work your way back, or you can start in Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, um, whichever way. Let's get to Amos, if we will. Amos chapter 3. Uh, yes, right before Andy. Uh, we got Amos chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start in verse number 1, and we'll work down to verse number 4. If you will read the even verses, um, starting in verse number 1, we'll read together responsibly. Um, verse number 1 through verse number 4, Amos 3, 1 through 4. And let's begin. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying... You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he have taken nothing? And let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your holy Bible. Thank you, Lord, as we've sang this morning. Thank you for your love. And God, uh, we don't deserve it. It's unmerited. But Lord, you've loved us, even in our sin, enough to come and die on a cross for us. I ask you help us, Lord. Would you be with preacher as he preaches? Would you open our hearts and minds? Help us, Lord, to to write on the table of our heart, Lord, the truths that will be preached this morning. We ask you bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. Take your Bibles. Look at Amos again, verse number 3. Chapter 3, verse number 3. This is the text and the main thought of what I want to give you today. Can two walk together except they be agreed? What a short verse, but what a powerful thought. Let me talk to you for a moment and then we'll get to the preaching here. On October 10th, literally 36 years ago this last week, My wife and I had our first date. God began to knit our hearts that day, and I knew after our first date that she would be the lady that I would marry. Say, how did that come about, preacher? I was getting a lunch to take to work, and we called it the gag bag line, the lunch line. And uh, I was walking down the hall, and it was busy with tables and people getting this, and I'm crossing and going down this way and I was looking as I was walking at what was on the table because that's what a man does he's looking at the food amen and about the time I was walking and looking at the food this little blonde haired girl come out of a a little room where they stored janitorial equipment with buckets and mops and different things in her hand and I literally knocked her down and everything out of her hands all over the floor well, that was like voodoo at Bible college. I touched a girl. <laughs> I helped pick things up, and uh, we we I, I apologized every which way I could. And the next day, I went down that same hallway. I looked in the doorway this time so I wouldn't knock somebody over, and guess who was standing in the doorway? And we talked and laughed for a moment, and I found out she was uh, actually going to the church that my mom and dad had moved from Canton to Toledo. And my mom and dad were actually going to her home church. So we talked for a few moments and I got my gag bag and went to work. And I couldn't get those baby blue eyes out of my head that night. And I said, and the Lord said, well, son, she's been there twice. You ought to ask her out. I said, Lord, if she's there the third time, I'll do it. So the next day, guess who was standing in the same doorway at the same time? And I asked her out. And the rest is history. Amen? Uh, I knew she was the one to marry. By the way, 17 and a half months after uh, we had our first date, we were married. We started our journey that day. We started walking through life together. The roads... And the paths have not always been smooth. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we weren't sure if we were not our marriage, but weren't sure where to take the next step. Our oldest was born, and four months after he was born, he was on life support for three weeks. Those were dark days. Josh and Ruthann were married and have lost three babies. Been through some dark days. About a year and a half ago, Mindy lost twins. Some more dark days. 
Last Christmas, Josh and Ruth Ann had been fostering and had Hunter for 16 months and fostering two others, and the state came in, took all three away, and said, you're done. Adoption was supposed to have been finalized the month before then for Hunter, two days before Christmas. I had to watch my wife weep as she took Christmas gifts away from the tree. I know what heartache is like. Sometimes they're bumpy. Sometimes it's slippery. Sometimes it's just been her and me. Sometimes it's been crowded with a lot of people. But the key is we walk together. We walked together. God asks us here in Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, can two walk together? Except they be agreed. Eleven months after our first date, in September of 1988, when she came back to college that fall, shut up, Brother Scott. Eleven months after we started dating, I had already talked to her mom. I had not yet talked to her dad due to some other circumstances. You know, he... <laughs> I had to whip him in a heartbeat, but I, I talked to my future mother-in-law and father-in-law. I'd already purchased the ring. And the day she came back to college in 1988, I said, I need to, we, I helped move her stuff in, and I said, I need to take a walk with you. I need to talk to you about something. So we walked out of the buildings, and there was about a five, six-acre lake there at the college, and uh, we walked out of the front doors and around the corner and got about halfway down to the lake. You say, why halfway? Because I couldn't wait any longer. Standing there beside a giant oak tree, I pulled out of my pocket a ring. And I said, Debbie, I have no idea what or where our future would go. But I know I want to walk it with you. I don't ever want to change on the faith. I'm not going to change what I believe. It may be hard, but I'd like us to do it together. And I asked her if she would marry me, and she said yes. She didn't know what she was getting into. I'm not sure I knew what I was getting into. But just nine months later, June 24th, 1989, we stood on a platform and became husband and wife 34 and a half or so years ago. We joined lives that day to be a team. But I want you to notice something. That walk started at our first date. The walk began. We go through life together as a team. We had a child, and then a second one, then a third one. Oh, we had all the same things you all go through, the sickness, and one end or the other's running from the time they're a couple months old, and you spend two years teaching them to walk and talk, and 16 telling them to sit down and shut up. You take them to college, they go off to Bible college or college, and they go off into their careers, and they start leaving the nest one by one as they came into the nest one by one. And before you too long, you look around, and it's just you and her again. And then parenting adult children is much harder because they have adult problems. Uh, telling a two-year-old no is one thing, but looking in the face of your child and their spouse and they lost a baby's another. It's hard. But we've walked it together. That September day, 1988, when I asked her to marry me, they use a term, we use the term, we became engaged. My wife and I have traveled many mile in the last 35 years for the Bible I've preached in 34 states I've been an assistant pastor in five different churches in four different states we started this church in a hotel room 
We moved from Indiana to California and didn't even have a house or an apartment to move into. We drove cross country in a Penske truck and we pulled up and she said, honey, where are we going to live? I said, I don't know, but we're about to find out. She had never even been to California. I had flown out to Canada by myself. She had never been there. Lord, can I tell you, two kids that were out of their league in uh, the L.A. County area. We've seen a lot. We've shared each other's fears and heartaches and burdens and battles. But can I tell you something? We've continued to walk together because we made an agreement to do so. We made an agreement to do so. Oh, we don't always see life the same way. Men and women do not think the same way. We don't see the same things. See that deer over there? Where's the ketchup? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh Uh-huh. You can see a deer from 300 yards away but can't find the the mustard or the ketchup in the refrigerator or in the door looking at you in the face. you got to move one thing. Oh, I didn't see it there. Oh, we've not always seen life the same. But may I say something? We've stayed together. The key word to the last 36 years of our lives has been this. Together. Together. Through all the bumps and the difficulties and the trials, through all the moves, through all of the uh, strain and stress of the ministry and me selling her house and moving into (laughs) Brother Harry's basement, building a house and building a church building at the same time when you're 50 years old, dumb, dumb, dumb. But we did it. Say why. We had an agreement. We made an agreement that day when she said, I'll accept your proposal of marriage. That meant we would stay together. (laughs) I remember when we were engaged. Brother Larry, we'd have about an hour a day between my last class to eat lunch and then go back to my room and change and get things and leave for work. Every day I'd, <laughs> she'd eat most of the time before me because she couldn't keep up with the way I ate. Say, what'd you do? Just shove it in and swallow her, amen? Number one, you didn't want to taste it. Number two, you didn't have time to taste it. <laughs> but I wanted to spend time with her. I remember we were down by the lake walking one day and I told her, tried to tell her how much I loved her. I reached down and I picked up a rock, Brother James. Big old rock. I said, Deb, let me show you how much I love you. I took that old rock and threw it out in that lake as far as I could throw it. I said, the day you go out there and find that rock and pick it up, I'll love you till that day. You'll never be able to find it. A couple days later, she picked one up and threw it and said the same thing back. A few weeks later, she picked one up and threw it at me. Uh, No. (laughs) You knew that one was coming, didn't you? Some of you is just waiting, weren't you? I meant it, though. I've seen pictures of that lake. I've been out near that lake many a time. When I worked on staff there years later, decades later, that Rock is still in the bottom of that pond, covered with goose dew and mud. (laughs) Never to be found. Can I tell you why? Because I love her forever. Forever. God says, can two walk together except they be agreed? I'm going to use marriage as an illustration, but this is true as a parent. This is true as a friend. This is true as an employer or an employee. It's true in any relationship of life. But I'd like to use marriage as the uh, springboard for it today. Number one, 
God wants us to walk together. God wants us to walk together. You know, God did not make us to be by ourselves. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. I want to show you something here. Go to Genesis chapter 2. God made man first of all, and he said, I want you to walk with me. But then, in verse, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, I want you to notice something. God said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. Amen. I will make him and help me for him. Now look at me. I'm going to make a statement here. We pass by. <laughs> Brother Anthony, I don't find one place where Adam asked God for somebody. You'll never find anywhere in scripture where Adam said, God, everything else has got somebody else. I just have you. Man was content. Most men are content with their work. Ladies, you're happier when they're at work. (laughs) Because if they don't, they're driving you nuts. You see, uh, God saw that man had a need. Man did not look at his own need. He was busy doing the work God had made him to do. A couple principles on that. Number one, man doesn't need a wife till he's busy doing doing work. Amen. Teenagers ought not date. Yes. People that are not close enough to their life's work shouldn't be dating too serious. Say why? Because it's going to take them away from what God wanted them to do. Adam was busy doing the work he was supposed to do. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him an help meet. Someone who will complete him. Not compete with, but complete. So God saw the need. Man was oblivious to it. Duh. Number two. Look at verse number 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam and uh, to see what he would call them. And uh, whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowls of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmate for him. Now look at me. Adam still doesn't know he has a need. He's still in a stage of, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Everything's okay. Daniel, you believe him for the Marine Corps. They're going to take you apart and put you back together. They're not going to change what you are, but they're going to take you down to what you really are and fix you to be a better, better person of what you are. The reason they accepted you is because you meet certain qualifications that meet a higher level than most. That's good. But you're going to feel like they hate your guts and everything about you. Say why? Because they have to change how you think about you. And here was Adam, and he was fine doing what he was doing, and he still did not see the need that he had. He was doing what God wanted without knowing he needed something. Look at verse 21. I'm about to shout. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God hath taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said... This is now bone of what? My bones. And flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. And shall cleave unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. After... God comes to man and says, man, you have a need. He said, let me give you something. 
Everything else God made from dirt. Woman was made from man. God took a rib. Say why? Closest to his heart. To this day, every lady in this room and every lady born has one more rib than men. Ladies are born with more ribs than men. Say, why is that? To remind you where you came from and to remind him where you came from? Closest to his heart. God didn't take you from his foot to be stepped upon. God took you from his rib, closest to his heart. That which gives life and keeps life going. God fulfilled the need for man. By the way, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God made a woman. You say, why was it called woman? Because when Adam woke up, he said, whoa, man. (laughs) Yeah, buddy, man. God did not give another man. I'll say it right here without apology. It's not politically correct, but I'd rather not be politically correct. Sodomy is wrong, and it's an abomination to God. You've got the alphabet soup crowd, and it's an abomination to God. I don't care what the TV commercials. Oh, Jesus gets us, yeah? He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He put Romans chapter 1 in the Bible for a reason. I'm not against people, I'm against sin. I'm against alcohol as much as I am sodomy. I'm against the, the, the uh, tobacco industry as much as I am that. I'm against the dope industry and the illicit drug industry as much as I am sodomy. All sin is sin and sodomy is sin. Amen. Everybody doing okay? You say, preacher, where do you stand on it? If you wonder, come see me afterwards. <laughs> Let me make a statement here. God also did not make a woman to be a man. Everybody doing okay? Now, I'm not a male chauvinist pig. I'm a hog, not a pig. (laughs) Let me show you why God made a woman. God gave Adam a woman who would be strong in ways that he was weak. And he made her weak in ways that he is strong. And they too shall be one flesh and become stronger together to walk through life. See, my wife has strengths I don't have. She loved babies. I think they're ugly. (laughs) I went down for the birth of my grandson. I held him in my arms just hours after he was, uh, just an hour or so after he was born. You say, preacher, wasn't he beautiful? No. Ugly? Looked like a prune with, with hair. <laughs> now, they get cute a little faster, but they're still, when they're first born, there ain't nothing they do but suck food in and blow it out the other end <laughs> and cry both times. Amen? Preacher, you don't have a heart. I have a heart. That's why God made women ugly blind. Why do you think you'd marry a man? Think a baby's cute and a man's handsome. Forget that. I ain't never seen a good looking man. (laughs) I'm trying to be serious. Y'all just don't take it that way. God made woman to complete, not compete. My wife has strengths in areas I'm weak. I have strengths in areas she's weak. But together we make a strong pair. By the way, in electricity you have a positive and a negative charge. One's strong, one's not, but together you have maximum strength. Here's what happens. We let our pride get in the way and we won't, men, admit that our wife is stronger in an area that we think should be ours. No, you married her to be your strength. Why don't you let her be your strength and quit being stupid? Not every man has the same strengths. Not every woman has the same weaknesses. Everybody doing okay? You see, that's why you find the one that's strong in areas you're weak and quit beating her over the head because she's stronger than you. 
She's supposed to be. That's why you married her, dummy. I'm talking to the men now. <clears throat> See, God made us to marry. Opposites attract. Yeah, that's what gives you strength. Amen. Brother Anthony, come here for a second. We're not married. Thank God. Amen. Ain't going to happen. If so, take my gun out and shoot us both. Amen. <laughs> and if you don't, I'll shoot you first. Yes, I did not hire Brother Anthony because he's strong in areas I'm strong. Amen. He's strong in areas I'm weak. Music. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all are very thankful for that. Amen. Say, why did you hire him? Because he's strong in areas I'm weak. He has strengths to lend our ministry that by myself can I do it? Yes, but not as well as somebody that can. When he, you can have a seat. When he first came here, or before he came, he said, Preacher, what's all my duties going to be? He said, can't tell you yet. I said, I don't know all your strengths yet. I said, I can tell you a few of them to start with. I said, and from there, we're going to learn each other because I might be doing something that you're better at than me. And I'll give it to you and take something I was going to give you and do it myself. You say, why? Because that helps our whole church become stronger. Amen. I'm not so proud to give him something that I thought I should be doing. Are you doing all right? Amen. If we'd run our marriages the same way, you'd be surprised how happy and how strong your home would be. Amen. <laughs> I better do this. <laughs> Some of you men ought to realize your, your wife knows more about finances than you do, and you ought to let her help you run the finances of the home. Amen. Amen. Bob, I didn't ask you to confess your sin. Amen. Now, wait a minute. Some of you struggle with your finances because you won't let somebody help you. I'd rather let my wife help me than... Be so far in debt that I don't know how to pay my bills. Everybody doing all right? Say, well, that's a man's job. Only if the man's strong enough to do it. Amen. Folks, I run, <laughs> I run hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in finances every year of my life. I've worked with hundreds of millions of dollars in my ministry. Do you know who runs the checkbook at my house? Me, but I haven't paid a bill in years. Say why? Because when my wife and I got married, she didn't even hardly know what a checkbook was. And I taught my wife how to pay bills, how to balance a checkbook, and I've given it to her because if something ever happened to me, I wanted her to be able to take care of it. Now, she only asked me questions when needed. I don't worry about it. See, we work together better that way. We don't go grocery shopping together. <laughs> Say why? My idea of grocery shopping is a whole lot different than hers. Grocery shopping is not deer hunting. Deer hunting, I can sit in a stand or on the ground blind somewhere for hours and watch everything happen and nothing take place and be as happy as can be because me and God are having a good time. Amen, Brother Larry? You walk me into that grocery store and I'm about to kill somebody. It just, it, they don't lay it out the way I would. They don't, you know, just grab one, grab one, grab one, grab one. Here we go. And no, 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 we got to look at this and let's compare. No, you do that. I ain't doing that. You send me the store, shop my way. I send you the store, you do it your way. So we don't share that. Every once in a while, I'll go to the store with her and I'll say, I'll go and I'll push the cart, but don't ask me any questions. If it's about shopping, don't ask me. Say, what do you do? I'm an obedient husband, and I push that card. Now, wait a minute. Say, why? Because, man, I can out outdo that old lady in the aisle three. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> and that was Loretta. I mean, uh... <laughs> now, wait a minute. She knew it was coming. She's back there like this. Is it coming? I said, Wait a second here. Uh, I, I just, that's her area. 
When it comes to the outside of the house, the lawn and the flowers and things, that's mine. I might ask her opinion, but she doesn't tell me, okay, are you going to get there and cut the grass? No, she knows that's mine. If I want it long, it's long. If I want it short, I want it short. If I want it mowed this way, that way, diagonally, this way, diagonally, that way, that's mine. Inside the house, it's hers. Now, I help vacuum and clean toilets and clean bathrooms and dust and do things when I can. But can I tell you something? I don't tell her how to do it. (laughs) If you have the time to look at something and say, that's dirty, then clean it. Amen. Quit complaining about it. The vacuum fits your hand just like it does hers. The mop and the rag fits your hand as much as it does hers. Everybody doing okay? You got time to complain about it? You got time to clean it. Amen. Plain and simple. This is, this is helping you. Whether you know it or not, it's helping you. That means marriage is a walk together. That means this. You work together. And I'm not talking about your employment. I'm talking about things around the house. Amen. Work together. Our dishwasher was down for a couple few weeks. Uh, it had a brain hiccup and needed a new brain. So what'd you do? Did you know there was a time when their dishwashers were at the end of your arms? Wow. You know, my wife never complained one time. By the way, I helped her wash dishes too. I, I generally do what I can. If she's good enough to fix the food, I'm good enough to help her. Now, when it comes time to putting everything away, I'll help her. But there's, there's things I set on the counter and say, I don't know where that goes. And I've learned, don't put it in the wrong spot. <laughs> and get about 98% of it put away. She's got 2% to put away, amen? Say why? Kind of like, don't mess up my tools, amen? amen? We ought to work together. We ought to play together. You know, home ought to be a place where husbands and wives and children play together some. And I'm not talking about video games only. I mean board games. I mean dominoes. I mean, uh, I'm not talking about poker and things like that, but uh, volleyball and all that kind of stuff. Man, I just hit something. As I would say before, I got a coon in the tree. Here we go, amen. He's baying at the tree. I believe we ought to eat together. I believe every family ought to sit down at the table and eat one meal at the table together every day. I believe that. My wife and I sit down at the table and eat together every day virtually. I think we ought to think together and plan together. I think husbands and wives ought to sleep together. I think we ought to share defeat together and share victory together. I think we ought to succeed together and fail together. I think we ought to talk together. You see, the key word is can two walk together? Except they be agreed. I'm going to make a statement here. I realize we have some teenagers here. I will be appropriate. The physical part of marriage is the smallest part of marriage. And I will say this, it's the least important part. It is a byproduct of a healthy walk. If the walk is right, the rest of it will take care of itself. When there's strain on one, it strains the rest. I'm going to make a few strong statements here. I don't like using a word I'm about to use, but I'm going to. Love is not sexual by nature. You don't have a physical relationship with your children, but you love them. You don't have a physical relationship with your parents, but you love them. You don't have a physical relationship with your neighbors or your friends. Or your children's friends, but you can love them. So love by itself is not sexual in nature. It is a walk. By the way, 
I'll go so far as to say this. Love is only physical when it's with the right person in the right walk. I've had secretaries for over 30 years of my ministry. I have never touched one of my secretaries. I don't even think I've ever bumped into one of them. If it did, it was really unusual other than a shake of the hand when they were coming to or from church with their husbands did I ever even touch them. For about 30 years or 25 years of my ministry, uh, I counseled with teenagers and children and oversaw schools and different things. I never even shut the door of my office with a minor in my office for about 25 years. You say, why? Don't you trust them? I want, whether if there's an accusation, I want to live above the reproach. Everybody doing okay? You see, (laughs) this one's going to, you're not going to like this, but you're going to understand it. Animals can have a physical relationship, but love's not a part of it. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when she got pregnant. And she laughed. Now hang on, listen to this for a second here. They laughed because she got pregnant. They weren't trying to have a baby. That means there was still some physical things going on. Why? Because of a good walk. They walked together. A physical life is a byproduct of our walk together, not to be patterned after a bunch of animals or perverts. It is to be love, not just satisfaction of the flesh. I get a little sick of preachers using animals as an illustration of how a husband and wife should be. That's about as wrong as it can be. Everybody doing all right? I said it. The word together means united or aligned alike. It doesn't mean side by side, 24-7, 365. We have the United States of America. Brother Scott, you live in Maryland. I live in West Virginia. Brother Andy, you live in Virginia. We have three states right here. Uh, let's see here. Y'all are South Carolina? Amen. Uh, so there's four states represented. You realize that all four of these states have different laws and rules, but we're all part of the United States of America? Your driver's license, well, yours isn't. Yours is good in all the states. He didn't have one. It got taken away. Uh, <laughs> Too many DUIs. I mean, uh, anyway. <laughs> you see, there, there are some things that reciprocate to other states. You say, why? Because we're all Americans. By the way, we don't need to add a color or a nationality with it. You're either an American or you're not. Amen. You see, we may be apart, but we still have the same purpose and goal. I may be at work and she might be at home, but we're still united because we're working together. Amen. So, number two, to walk together, you have to be agreed. I'll hurry, I'll hurry through this. Agreed does not mean thinking the same on every issue. Amen. Agreed means to engage for marriage or to make and fulfill an appointment. That means this. It means you set a time and decide once and don't change and don't revisit it. In September of 1988, when I asked my wife if she married me, we entered into an agreement that we would be married and stay married the rest of our life. Now, we set a time to do so, which was June 24th of the following year. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, Matthew chapter 18, verse number 19. Let me give you the verse out of 1 John chapter 5, verse number 8. God says this, 
And there are three that bear record, uh, bear witness in, earth, in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these things agree in one. Verse 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Then he says we agree in one. Everybody look at me. By the way, Mr. Schofield's an idiot because in his reference Bible, he has there a note that says uh, these verses should be omitted. Well, if Mr. Schofield thought that, then he should be omitted. It says that they have to agree. When somebody comes and tells me, Preacher, I feel the Lord leading me to do something, I always say this, book, chapter, and verse. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because if you can't show me in the Bible, then it's not the Lord leading, that's you leading. Amen. Well, I felt the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit will only speak through the Word of God because God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. And he says in verse number 8, there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Huh. Who is the Word? Jesus. And the Holy Spirit cannot work outside the confines of the Word of God or he is not God. He has to be in agreement with God. Years ago I counseled a lady. She had four, five, six kids, forget how many. She said, she said, Brother Bush, I think when I was a teenager, I surrendered to go to the mission field. I disobeyed God, so I'm going to leave my husband and my children. I'm going to go to the mission field. I said, you're an idiot, and you're disobeying God. Amen. I said, the moment you took a vow to your husband, you negated the first vow, and now you're obligated to this vow. And I said, if you go to the mission field, God cannot and will not bless it. I said, you would be out of God's will to do it. Well, uh, my first, I said, don't care what your first was. You, you obligated yourself by the second. Now stay with it. Oh, preacher, I just feel like the Lord told me that I had to sell my house and give everything to the church. No, you won't. I won't take it. That's, an, that's stupid. Amen. Well, I want to live by faith. No, that's foolish, not faith. Everybody doing okay? Amen. Come on now. See, you, you wouldn't take it, preacher? No, I would tell your family to help you not sell your house and put you in an institution somewhere. <laughs> Just because we don't like something God says or we don't like how God says we should do something does not change the agreement. <laughs> All an agreement is much like a contract. Uh, we have a handbook for our Christian school, and we ask the parents and the students to sign the handbook. They're agreeing to live by the rules of that handbook. That's a contract. That's a, an agreement, and you're acknowledging your agreement by signing it. By the way, isn't that what a marriage license is? You are agreeing by law to stay together as husband and wife, and you both sign it. It's got both your names on it, and the guy that did the stand-up funeral for you signs it too. It's kind of like your mortgage. Those who are on the lease have to sign it. It's an agreement to make the payments and meet the terms of that mortgage. So you're going into an agreement to follow the terms of the agreement. Well, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 23, if you're still there, let me read something to you. Let me show you the terms of marriage. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, Shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. It means you don't go running to mommy every time you got a problem. Amen. It means you don't go running home to mommy and daddy and say, I don't like this too bad. It's kind of like you complaining about your wages at work. As my father would say, don't you ever complain about your wages. You're the dummy that agreed to the job to begin with. Amen. Don't like it? Go get a new one, but don't complain about the one that you have. That's right. 
<laughs> marriage is much like an agreement. You choose at one time and you choose to stay with it. By the way, when the path and the road is dark and, and tough and hard, we have an agreement. We stay walking together. That's the agreement. Let me finish. I must hurry. This is, all of that was pretty much so introduction. Here's the whole truth. Because of sin, we have an agreement to fulfill. Isaiah chapter 28. I'll turn there. I'm going to quote Romans 6.23 while I do. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isaiah 28 verse number 15 says this. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant, an agreement, with death and with hell. Are we at agreement? When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies of our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. Uh, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding places, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then shall you be trodden down by it. You see, when we sinned, we made an agreement that we would die and go to hell. Revelation twenty fourteen and 15 says in uh, death and hell were, and were cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire that burneth with fire and brimstone. Say, what is that? That is the sum total of our agreement because of sin. It's called death and hell. And we broke our agreement. May I show you something? Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16 says this. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely what? Die. Die. <laughs> because man broke the agreement, look at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? By the way, he was there to walk with man. To walk together with man and sin caused a division in that walk verse number 10 and he said i heard thy voice in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself and he said who told thee that thou was naked hast thou eaten of the tree whereof i commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat look at this i think it's funny and the man said the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave it me uh, of the tree and I did eat. Amen. He blames God and Eve at the same time. God, the woman you gave, you gave me, she's the one. Yeah. And Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, it was the serpent, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Now look at me. God wanted man and woman to walk together forever. Amen. And sin caused that walking together to push them apart. Did you ever notice that the first sin, you also had the first marriage fuss? Yes, sir. It's true. By the way, the principle carries true. Anybody struggling in their marriage and getting along with one another, it's always a sin problem. Yes. One or both. I've never counseled two people in a marriage that were right with God that were struggling. Never. In 35 years. Never. Every time I'm about to come unscrewed with my wife. Brother Scott, I get alone and say, okay, God, where's this wrong? Where am I wrong? 
Because obviously it's me. Because I feel this way. And I get alone with God and say, God, I need to get me right so that I don't blow up on my wife. 34 and a half years of marriage, I've never raised my voice to my wife. My wife has never raised her voice to me. Preacher, you mean you never disagree? We disagree every day. She thinks it's stupid to get up at 4, 4.15, 4.30 every morning. I like it. I think it's dumb to stay in bed till 5.36 o'clock. Shoot. That's, yeah. But just because we don't agree on what time on which to get up doesn't mean that we have to fight and feud over it. You see, just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that you hate each other. But there's a way to do it in such a way that you don't have bad attitudes. You get my wife up at 4, 4, 15, 4, 30 every day, and we're going to have bad attitude the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. You see, God wanted us to walk together. Listen to this, and I'm done. But we blew it, Brother James, with sin. And he said, Jesus said, God, I want you to have what is yours. You made man to fellowship with you, to love you, and for you to love. I want you to have man back. Jesus said, I'll go into an agreement with you, God. I'll go and I'll be born of a virgin. I'll live a sinless life. I'll live man's righteousness for him. I'll go to Calvary and they can kill me and shed my blood. Three days and three nights later, I'll resurrect from the dead as the high priest and come bring my own blood and put it on the mercy seat in heaven for man. And if he'll trust that, not his own ways, but if he'll trust that, you will save them and they'll be with you forever in eternity. It's called the gospel. You see, Jesus came and fulfilled the agreement we broke. Amen. He paid the price for it, and we have to go into the right terms to accept it. Did you ever take a loan out and there's terms for the agreement? Well, the terms for the agreement of getting to heaven is trusting the gospel to get you there. Not joining a church, not being baptized, not living a good life, not taking... Uh, the sacraments or the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. Not traditions. Not praying through saints and Mary and who knows who else, what else. No, it's by trusting what Jesus Christ did for you and that alone. It's called the gospel. He was the only one worthy to pay that price. We've already broken the agreement and that caused us to deserve hell. There's nothing you and I can do because we're all sinners. The only thing we can do to get there is to fulfill the obligation and the terms of the agreement and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, at that point in time, he fulfills it. Oh, joining the church, getting baptized, coming to all the services, witnessing, dressing right, having the right influences. Those are things you do after you sign the agreement. They don't give you the agreement. The agreement has to be settled between you and God, and that's it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done.